Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode number 188, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 5, Kinbaku. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to welcome you to this episode. I'm also here to talk about this episode and to talk about a couple other things as well. So just to let you know what's happening here... We've got the regular discussion about the episode that Samantha will be joining me for. But before that, we will have phone calls, voicemails from Daniel Butcher and myself in the past from our first viewing of the Daredevil Season 2 series. We'll be skipping the feedback section again this episode. And then when the episode is done, uh, after the credits, there will be a mini-review of a movie, a Marvel movie that is related in some ways to this episode of Daredevil Season 2. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I will tell you this. Before today, I had never seen this particular Marvel movie, and it's not Deadpool. That movie will remain unseen with my eyeballs anyway. Uh, So that's what you have to look forward to, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, except that it's related and I've never seen it before. It's one of the few Marvel movies that I haven't seen. So that's what you can look forward to in the post credit sequence. I guess that's everything. Uh, so let's start doing some of the pre credit sequences or whatever. Opening statements. If you've listened to the daredevil coverage that we've had, and the Jessica Jones coverage that we've had, and the Daredevil Season 1 coverage that we've had, you know exactly what's coming in this sequence. Uh, If you have not, if this is your first episode, I'm just going to tell you quickly, one of the things that we wanted to do was retain some of that, um, just that fresh perspective of when you first watch a show. But with the way Netflix is set up, everyone's on different schedules, everyone's watching it this time, that time, binge-watching it, saving it for later, whatever. Uh, We were never going to be able to cover Daredevil or any of the Netflix stuff the way we cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is week by week, episode by episode. We watch it at the same time and record about it at the same time. So what we did is after every single episode, as soon as credits roll, we called in our initial reactions, and that's what I'm about to play right now. I'm going to play past Daniel's initial reaction to Daredevil season two, episode five. And here it is. Uh, welcome to level seven. How are you, my friends? I don't know about you, but I'm doing great. This is agent Daniel here. And I just watched episode five of Daredevil season two. And I'm going to be honest. Okay. Maybe it's being my mood. The episode just didn't fully work for me. I wanted it to, but it didn't. So, yeah, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Yeah, I'm just gonna sit back, relax, and continue to enjoy Daredevil. Though I really just do not really enjoy the Electra and uh, Matt relationship. She's definitely got crazy written all over. And I'm also not really enjoying the Matt and Karen relationship either. And there's part of me that wants to say to Karen, hey, Karen, it might be easier to go to the library. In the library, you can do some of the things you're doing right there. So, yeah, well, what you can do. So, well, I'm just going to go back and watch some Daredevil. I guess there's going to be a fight here soon. <sighs> Peace out later, bye. Past Daniel, I'm a little surprised at you. The promise of ninja usually, usually causes you to be excited and and happy. But, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm just surprised that you're not 
quite as excited about the promise of Ninja that the end of this episode gave you. Um, and what you say about the library? Yeah. Yeah. Not just the library. I mean, there is, like, whole websites devoted to uh, newspaper archives that's searchable. So... Yeah, but, you know, the incident wiped out servers and maybe wiped out the library, too. So I'm going to help out the episode in that way, I guess. All right, so this is Past Ben calling in about Kenbaku. Hello, future Ben, and hello, Daniel, maybe, hello, whoever else is there. I don't even know what to think about what is going on with you in the future. Uh... I hope it's going well. I hope you've had some good people to talk about Daredevil with because, honestly, I just don't know um, what it's going to be yet. So, Ben, future Ben, I hope I've done you well by finding you good people to be on Welcome to Level 7 with you for this summer series. But right now it's not summer. Uh, in fact, it's what some people might call fall. No, spring. I don't even know. Time travel's hard. It's late, okay? It's late. Cut me some slack, man. Okay, so here's my impression of this episode. Episode 5, which is a word I can't pronounce very well. And it's quite simple. My impression is, this is what we asked for. This is what we get. And you know what? It's not going to feel as good as it did when you had that first season. Last season, first season, was, you know, that... We're dating and everything's fresh and wonderful and we're both, you know, both sides are putting on our, our best facade. I mean, it's 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 Matt and, and Electra. It's Matt and and Karen. You know, they're they're you know, they're they're trying to really impress each other and trying to just make the you know the best of most of their time together. And then second season right now, this is long-term relationship, and things are feeling same old, same old. Now, this is no longer fitting in with the metaphor of Karen, because I don't know where that's going, or Electra, because I saw where that went. But uh, this is more like you know an actual relationship metaphor, where you know we're, we're spending more time together, and I'm hearing people complain about how, well, this isn't as good, this isn't as good. It's because it's not new. It's not fresh. It's not something brand new. It's, it's episodic. It's episodic and it's good, but it's not going to feel like, you know, that awesome feeling that it was when it was, you know, us first getting to know each other. And it's just magical. And, you know, every place you go may be mundane, but when you go there with this special person for that first time, it's magical. Now you go back, you feel nostalgia, but it doesn't feel like it's as much magic. I've used up so much time on this metaphor, I can't really talk much more about the episode. Um, the relationship with Matt and Electra feels like the relationship as I know it from the comic book. Um, the relationship between Matt and Karen is unfortunate. Again, Matt, you don't... Uh, I'm not going to use the the metaphor about peeing where you where you, yes I just did you don't pee where you drink but anyway uh, you you shouldn't be dating your your secretary there Matt uh, your assistant or, or whatever they're calling her um, yeah but I like the episode and I'm out now is it bad that I really like that metaphor and I really liked what what past Ben had to say uh, I mean it feels like someone else was calling in and telling me something that I thought to be really insightful but i it was from myself um you know what i'm not talking to myself i think i'm just gonna go ahead and uh bring in samantha for the episode and we can move on and actually talk about the episode which i think i'm saying correctly kimbaku if i'm saying it incorrectly at least i'm saying it proudly unlike past ben who just chose to skip it and not say it so yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I, at least I got one dig into past Ben. So the compliment and the insult. And let's bring in Samantha. Case evidence. Okay. I'm back. Just like I said, I'd be five seconds ago before I played that sounder and I'm not alone. Just like <laughs> I said, I'd be Samantha is here and we're ready to talk about episode five. Which, All right, let's go. Yeah, this, this is an interesting yeah. episode. We are putting the brakes on the action a little bit and taking I don't know I'm feeling I might go toe to toe with you Ben uh, Oh really about Oh 
Electra versus Karen. I th- I think we have some conversations to have then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the plot first, and then we'll get into okay. I mean, there, there's honestly, there's not a lot of subjects to talk about in this, but there's some big subjects to talk about here. So, yeah, so episode five is called Kimbaku, which I wanted to look up and see what it meant. And turns out the title is very appropriate to the metaphorical uh, side of things in that it is a Japanese form of bondage. And if you look at some of the things that's happening here with uh, Matt and Electra, I think that there is this kind of metaphorical bondage happening here. Um, I don't know how much further we want to go into that. I don't think I want to go much further into it. But Well... It is it is sort of directly referenced later in the episode because kinbaku is a very specific form of bondage where you use ropes to that are twisted and tied in these very intricate patterns. Mm-hmm. And you do actually see that later on in the episode, not in a way that's in a bondage situation, but I think we can just start right there with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, and I don't... Um... I don't remember seeing a, a visual, uh, a visual of the bond, the, the the knot tying or whatever. But it is. A, oh, I'll point. I will point it out. Okay. All right. So we are jumping back and forth between ten years ago and today, and the episode starts with ten years ago on the screen. It says ten years ago, and Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson are crashing a fancy fancy party, and Matt hears a woman who sounds intriguing. The sounds she's making with her glass and drinking her drink. Uh, And then she rescues him just as he's about to be escorted out and the credits roll. And then we're back in Matt's apartment where he is confronting his unwelcome guest, Electra. And she has some words to say about fate and choice and leaving each other and not seeing each other and loneliness and the Roxxon company, which has her father's money wrapped up and she needs her, his help with some lawyering, but he wants none of it and sends her away. And then it's the next morning and the team comes back together to their closed offices. They have no money. They have no clients. They barely have any peach cobbler. (laughs) Karen thinks there's a lot more to the Punisher story and that the press and everyone is hiding stuff and foggy and Matt don't want to have anything to do with her getting more involved in the Punisher story. And then there we find out there's a huge deposit to their account. And Matt knows who it's from. And we do too, by the way he reacts. And also by the fact that we cut to a flashback 10 years ago, Electra and Matt shared drinks at that party. And she shares her insight on his life. And she's a little bit dismissive of him, but he also has some insight about her too. Basically that she needs excitement and unpredictability and she leaves the party with him, takes him for a ride in her expensive sports car, which she says is hers until we get caught. Back to today, Mr. Tower, the assistant DA, comes to the offices of Foggy and Nelson and demands all their info on the Grotto case. And Foggy won't cooperate without a Sabina. And there's a little bit of a battle of wills there. And Tower leaves without the stuff he came for and basically the threat that Reyes is going to come after them. Meanwhile, Matt goes to the Yakatama building and he has memories of 10 years ago where he and Electra break into an old gym. Talk about memories. Talk about his father who died. He opens up to Electra. She asks him, did you ever try to go after the guy who killed your dad? And then they spar. And the reason they spar is because Electra thinks that he can see, or at least there's something more going on finds out there is indeed something more going on. They spar, they fight, they fall to the ground, and suddenly it goes from kicky-kicky to kissy-kissy. Back to today, Karen goes to Ellison at the uh, the Bulletin, the newspaper, confronts him about the Frank Castle article, which was inaccurate, and she gives him some more details, enough details to intrigue him, and he agrees to help her find out more by taking her to the morgue where she must search through the hard copies of all the old newspapers. Ellison eventually does help her find out what happened to Frank's family. They were killed. 
She's able to put some of her clues together with some of the information he gets her through the newspaper. And she's able to piece the things together. And Ellison just wants her to make sure that the bulletin gets the exclusive. Meanwhile, Electra is meeting with business people at that building. And Matt eavesdrops from the opposite side of the street. Suddenly, everyone in the meeting that Electra's in, their phone rings. Roxxon's servers have been compromised by her. Foggy, meanwhile, is getting together with Marcy. She thought it was a social get-together, but it's actually... He's asking for help. And Marcy reveals that Reyes is using the castle case to get the political clout to possibly become mayor. From there, we go to Matt and Karen, where they have a date. An awkward date. An awkward date that gets kind of interrupted by Electra. And Matt has a conversation on the phone with Electra that is actually still pretty awkward and we cut to 10 years ago again where electra and matt come to a house in the suburbs a house she knows to be empty and they break in and act like they own the place and destroy things and talk about how they belong together but when they're going to get caught the fun is over for him because the owner comes home and then the fun is really over because it turns out that the house belongs to the man who killed matt's father Back to today, Matt wants to leave the fancy restaurant that he's at with Karen, and they go to a cheaper restaurant with gaudy lights and stuff that we can talk about later, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a less awkward conversation, though. It's a more natural conversation that they have. And then they walk home together, and they sit on the stairs outside Karen's place, and then they have some kissy-kissy without any kicky-kicky, and she invites him up. But he says no. He says, I have this incredible ability to bring disaster to the best things in my life, And he doesn't want to ruin this one perfect night. He walks home, but cannot escape the real world from encroaching that one perfect night as sounds and lights and all the things of New York and Hell's Kitchen invade. Ten years ago, we get another flashback and Electra taunts the man who killed Matt's father. The man is tied up in a chair and she invites Matt to physically assault the killer. And Matt does. He punches and punches in anger. And then when Roscoe realizes who Matt is, the killer taunts Matt and Matt punches and punches again. And then Electra tells Matt to just end it, cut his throat, kill him. We can do anything together, she says. And then he has his realization that maybe they could go well together, but they don't go well together. And she also has a revelation about him that he is not going to be what she thinks he she needs. And she kills Roscoe and, and takes off. Back to today, Matt visit, visits Electra, And he has a question for her. Why did you take me to the mansion in my flashback? And it's too late, though. There's no time. Yakuza are coming, and she planned it all. She knew he'd be there, and she even has his Daredevil suit. And she puts on a mask and credits roll. And that's her episode. So, not a lot of action. It's not very fast-paced, but there is a lot of information and a lot of flashbacks. And honestly, I mean, this is kind of some of the stuff that gets covered in Daredevil Year One, I think that Frank Miller wrote uh, maybe not directly, maybe not exactly, but it's a lot of the same kind of stuff and, you know, just kind of getting into their relationship, but they don't fight on teeter totters. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Before watching this series, my first exposure to daredevil was that really awful Ben Affleck movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not as bad as I remembered it being when I rewatched it, but it's not as good as it really should have been or could have been. I don't like fog. I really did not like Foggy at all in that movie. But then you, the Foggy we get in this series is so much more interesting, and he he, he has so many more levels, and he's he comes across not just as the funny guy, but also he's comes across as a very talented lawyer. Yeah, well, let's talk about Foggy first then because there's kind of three Okay. There's kind of three areas to talk about here. One is Foggy, one is Karen, and one is Matt. 
And when we get into Matt, we can talk about Matt's relationships with Karen and Electra. But Karen has her own stuff as well that don't have anything to do with the, the relationship stuff. So let's start with Foggy. I mean, his is the shortest of all of them in this episode, where basically he just stares down Tower. And and through Tower is staring down um, um, Reyes. And then he wants to find out what's going on with Reyes. So he brings in Marcy, who brings in a reference to Jessica Jones. Right. Directly by name. Yes. Um, but I, again, this is more of the same as far as I'm concerned about Foggy. This is more of the same of him. Maybe even. No, maybe it's not more of the same. He's he maybe has more confidence in himself here because he does not show any kind of intimidation at all. He does, he does not look intimidated at all with Tower. And so I think we might be seeing some growth there. I don't know. Well, you know, after what he's already faced and survived this season, I don't think that he has a lot to fear from, you know, ADA Blake Tower. Um, if you recall, earlier this season, he's he has walked into a, a dangerous biker bar and walked out alive. <laughs> and then he also was in an ER and he talked two gangsters out of fighting each other. And, you know, after that, I'd be more comfortable telling ADA Blake Tower that I need a subpoena and you cannot walk in here and tell me what to do. Yeah, and he's already stared down uh, Reyes once before and then they, they've they had their uh, their interactions up until this point. But he was calling her bluff and she's... She's doubling down is what he says. And he's nervous, but he didn't show it. I mean, he shows it with Marcy a little bit. When he meets with Marcy, there's clearly he's nervous about what could possibly happen. And well, with Marcy, it's a little bit more complex because he he had the relationship with her. Well, but I'm, when I say he's nervous, I mean, he's nervous about Reyes. He is calling on Marcy because he needs information. He needs to, you know, what can I expect out of this now? And then we find out about Reyes's political aspirations. Ah, uh, yes. And, you know, this is not something that's unusual where you'll have a DA who takes up a cause and that causes so that they don't have to stay DA. You know, they can maybe maybe move up the ladder and, and become, um, you know, a, a judge or something like that. but Or just get reelected to be in the district attorney. But, yeah, it's I'm I'm. For me here, more of the same with him, and I still like him. You know, there's there's nothing here that's going to make me not like him in this episode. Yeah, and um, we could even even use this as a transition. Um, there's even a moment in uh, when Matt, Karen, and Foggy are in their office early in the morning, and he realizes that there's something growing between Matt and Karen, and they're being cutesy, awkward, and kind of flirting with each other, and Foggy just sits there and smiles at them. And he's kind of enjoying that, you know, that there there's something going on between them and he doesn't seem to mind it at all. But he minds it when he's talking to Marcy. You know, I, I, I see a little bit of jealousy when he's talking to Marcy. Marcy sees it, too. She recognizes uh, the jealousy and she's like, oh, well, OK. Send them about me. Oh, uh, you're right. It's you're right. About yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. And that's why workplace romances don't work, especially when the workplace has three people. And two of them like the third. I mean, that's not, that's a recipe for disaster for your business. So yeah, just throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. But yeah, let's, so let's transition over to Karen then. Uh, okay. This is, I think the beginning of Lois Lane, Karen, where she wants the story. Now she wants the story because she wants to find out the truth. And so she goes and talks to Ellison and there's two revelations that are made here. One of them, they state specifically, and that's that she is like Ben. You know, now for Ellison, it's because, you know, Ben was a pain and he expects Ben's friends to be the same. But the other revelation I realized is when you see the story that they find about Frank Castle that was buried, it was a story that um, Ellison remembered. And Allison was like Ben too. He, yeah. He wrote the story. He had the crusade. Uh, he wrote the story and they were going to bury it. And he fought for a week to get the story printed. 
that's Ben. That's what Ben does <laughs> and did, rather. And yeah, Ellison used to be that idealistic journalist who wanted to you know, get the truth out there. So that was, it's kind of cool in some ways to see that and also to see, okay, he's been changed, but then he helps her, you know? He's not such a, a corporate stooge that he doesn't know, you know, while he knows not to bite the hand that feeds him, he's also interested in, in still searching after the truth and finding, you know, finding out stuff and, and investigating and, and getting the exclusive. So he's savvy. Right. He's savvy, but idealistic. Right. And I like that um, Ben's ghost is still, I wouldn't say his ghost. His memory is yeah, is yeah. still there in the show, even though the character has been killed off. Yeah. That was probably the worst, one of the worst MCU deaths for me. Because I liked him so much. Yeah. It felt like he was killed off too early. Yeah. It, and there's another character I feel like was killed off too early, and that was in Luke Cage, and we will get to that. Yeah. But as far as, well, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Luke Cage right now because we can't. We can't talk about things That's down the road. in the Netflix series. That's down series. the road. Don't yes, worry about it. I'm just saying that. that it's happening. It's, but yeah, you, you it's triggered there. something in me. and Okay. But back to Daredevil now. Okay. Uh, Ben's death was too early. But at the same time, it fit. It fit the show. And so while I would love to have, have him still in this show for this episode, you know, uh, he would have been he would have been doing the Ellison part and or actually maybe even doing the Karen part. You know, he would have been maybe doing the investigation. But since Ben's not there uh, and then Karen, what do you think about Karen's crusade? What do you think about her connection to Punisher and, you know, breaking into Punisher's house and uh, stealing the picture. Um, I, I think she's doing Matt's job for him because he's not doing it. Well, he is distracted. He's distracted. He's heavily distracted. And um, she's picking up where he should be. Because he, he would have broken into the castle house. He would have fought tooth and nail to try to save this guy because he 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 had this really he had the they had that night on the rooftop where they really got to know each other and i think at a level that matt slash daredevil has come to respect him yeah and i think that matt slash daredevil might have been curious what was that one day that separates the two of them you know what what really did happen uh, the one thing, though, about that, he would not have found the picture. Oh, that's true. You know, he he wouldn't have been able to. No. Um, I mean, his powers are great, but he wouldn't be able to know what a picture was behind a, a, a piece of glass. He might be able to get the trace outline of a picture based on, you know, the rise and fall of the ink bumps or whatever. But <laughs> Well, with uh, well, it depends what kind of photograph that is. If it's a um, old-fashioned film photograph, it might he might have been able to pick up on the differences between the densities of the um, silver nitrate crystals. I'm a film photography nerd, by the way. <laughs> um, but if it's a printed photograph from um, a digital f- picture, uh, he he may be able to pick up on the differences between the different inks. I'm not sure. Um, Behind the glass though, I think we can agree. He wouldn't have found that. Right. And, and that's, I mean, but this is Karen's thing. She's, she's on this Frank castle connection. And, Oh, you know what? He would have come across the toys. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so he would have, I don't know if he would have, he might have stolen the picture and then taken it to Foggy and said, what's this? But, or stolen a few and taken them to Foggy. But I, yeah. For him, it would have been more detective work as far as, 
okay, here's the toys, here's this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing. What does that all mean? And for her, she's able to see more. And yeah. But the question is, what do you think about her connection to Frank? I think um, because she is not a threat to Frank at all, that he is able to show her the the very human side of him. Um, and he's, he's not afraid to be vulnerable to her. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It just, I'm going to say he's sort of like, um, you know, one of these crustaceans where it's very hard on the outside, but you, you get just beneath <laughs> that shell and he's very soft and squishy and, you know, his, his heart can break easily. And he's, he's one of those guys. I, I think you might be right about that, but I think maybe he's maybe a stale crustacean and that he's <laughs> really tough on the outside and on the inside. He, he's softer, but not by much <laughs> like because he I, I think he does feel deeply I, mm-hmm. I think he does feel deeply and that's why he's doing what he's doing if he didn't feel at all if he had no emotion at all or if you know the loss that he had had cut off you know and caused him to just disconnect from his emotions he wouldn't be out for vengeance you right know, he'd be able to just you know maybe sulk and mull and and possibly you know even commit suicide eventually or something but no he feels he feels deeply and part of that feeling is this needs to be made right and he's in grief too he's in very deep grief he he lost his wife and children yeah i think still he's in grief i don't think he's right dealt with that part yet um because he's found a place to channel his energies and and to channel the the negative emotion of of you know the sorrow and that which you know you need to go through the the process of grief that that is a natural thing that humans need to go through when you face any kind of loss and bigger loss requires uh you know bigger there, there's a bigger emotional response to a, a bigger loss like what he had but even a smaller grief you have to go through that and yeah so, yeah, so that's that's Karen. Yeah. Oh, um, in the newsroom, did you uh, pick up the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers uh, references? Uh, not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Avengers, yes. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Really? Um, yeah, next to that Stark Tower um, headline that was framed on the wall, uh-huh. there's a reference to Cybertech, and they had been sued, apparently, and lost a case. And I'm guessing this is... Uh, huh. post Hydra taking over shield. Interesting. I did not notice yeah. that. I'll have to go back and cause I saw the things on the wall, but I didn't pay much attention to them because we, we saw them on Ben's wall too, you know? Right. I just thought it was well, the it, same it, stuff. Huh? Yeah. It took, it took me several times to go back and pause. And then I was like, Oh, what does Cybertech have to do? And, uh, for those who forgot, uh, Cybertech developed the Deathlock um, program. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, huh. Okay. Yeah. It's always fun to find stuff like that. So, you want to get into it now? Yes. The Electra I'm ready. I'm putting putting on my gloves. I'm in the ring, man. I'm ready to go. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to end up putting up the fight you think I'm going to put up. (laughs) Because... I, I think I know half of the fight that you're talking about, but the other half of the fight, I don't know if I said something, but if I did, I said it wrong. You did. Okay. You did. All right. You said that you were totally into Electra. As I as, didn't say that. Well, you, you thought she. I I could have sworn that you said something about Electra Electra and Matt being a better Matt or Electric being a better match for Matt than Karen. Okay, I may have said that, but if I did. This episode reminded me that I was totally wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still don't like Matt and Karen together. Okay. I okay. don't. But so we can fight about that. But yeah, this. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. 
Matt and his relationship with Karen and Electra in this episode just take took me back to college. And both of the major relationships I had in college before I met my wife, there was the exciting, exotic one, and then there was the workplace relationship one. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I watch this, I'm like, huh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I got it. All right. You know, and it, they they both, you know, they were relationships that didn't end well, but that made me teach, you know, taught me a lot about myself uh, when they were done. And, you know, it's good that I had those relationships to teach me those things about myself so that when I did meet the woman who became my wife, um, you know, I had gone through that level of self uh, soul searching or whatever. But anyway, there's that. And the other thing I noticed about both lead women in this episode, they're both into breaking and entering. And you've got Karen who broke into Frank Castle's house. And then you've got Electra who breaks into Matt's apartment. And then with Matt breaks into a house. They're, they're both into breaking and entering. So I'm just going to put that out there. They've got that in common. Yeah, you know? but Electra does it for fun. Karen, she the only reason why she broke into Frank's castle, Frank Castle's house, is because she felt it was necessary. Yeah, yeah. But when they finally meet, they at least have that in common, where they can say, "Hey, True. so when you break into a house, you know, I try and sneak in. Electric can be, oh, I just prefer the direct, the direct route." And Karen can say, "Well, but you know, I like to go in with a purpose." And Electric says, "Well, my purpose is to have fun, you know." And and Karen's, "Well, you know, I can understand wanting to have fun, but I'm, you know, I I, I got there's business to get done." And Electric says, "Fun is my business, you know. I that's that's the conversation <laughs> that they could have when they finally get together and realize that they don't have anything in common except for Matt and breaking into houses." <laughs> Yeah, whereas Karen just, you know, Jimmy's the lock. Uh, Elect yeah. Electra is not afraid to, you know, break the glass on the French door and just, you know, unlock from the inside. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> beyond that, <laughs> so we, here's our love triangle. And you've got Electra who, when she meets Matt, she's just bored and doesn't have uh, anyone who understands her and doesn't have anyone who can share the excitement that she needs, the unexpected. And then you have Matt who he really is just looking for some excitement in his life and someone who can keep up with him. Although he's not going to try and reveal anything uh, about what he can actually do. But, you know, he, he's found this, this exotic person who comes into his life, blows into his life like a whirlwind and sweeps him up until the end when uh, she's pushing him to kill the guy who killed his dad. And he can't do it. And that's the moment for him. Is that the, the tying up you're talking about when they tie up the guy to the chair? Right. Okay. Because they don't just tie him. To, they don't just, you know, throw a rope around him. He is very intricately. Ah, I can't talk tonight. I'm sorry. Well, um, it's, it's clearly, it's, it's, yeah. It's a very complicated, very stylistic huh. way to tie up someone. It's it's someone who has a lot of experience with that, which uh, that's not my thing, but <laughs> well, I <laughs> but I can see it. <laughs> I was only able to pick it up because of context clues here, having you mention that and then realizing, oh, that's the only thing I can remember that was tied up. But uh, right, yeah, I mean that, but that moment there, it's. It's interesting because you got the tug uh, of the heart, you know, between Electra and Karen. And you've got, you know, Electra who she says that she loves Matt for the glorious darkness he has inside. But clearly, Karen, that's not what she's into. You know, she likes this man who has. Uh, he He's a hero. I mean, she doesn't know he's a superhero, but he's a lawyer for the right reasons. And he's a good person from what she can see. May I rephrase what you were just saying? Yeah, sure. Uh, where Electra is a destructive personality, Karen is a nurturing personality. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can see that. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's that's and that's why I prefer Karen, because she's not trying to destroy anyone's life for the fun of it. She's she's trying to save a man who lost his family and she's trying to put this in front of of Matt's face and say, hey, look, look, there's someone here needs to be saved and you can do it. The other thing I would say, though, is I think Karen Karen sees a darkness in herself. And some of it is what we saw from last season. I think there's some of her backstory that we need to know to understand this darkness that she's referring to. And some of this, why she connects with Frank Castle early on. Uh, And she sees Matt as someone who can nurture the the brighter side of her the 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 light side as opposed to the the dark side of 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 her nature electra sees matt as someone who can you know totally feed the dark side of her and she's she has this dark side she wants violence uh she wants to fight she likes to fight and you know if you have a situation with uh the killer where you could almost see any superhero with their arch villain, you know, you could see Joker bringing out, you know, depending on which Joker we're talking about, but you see Joker bringing out uh, Bruce Wayne's parents' killer, right? You know, and so you have this choice. Here's the man who killed your family, and you, I mean, you could see a villain doing that to a hero to push them over the edge to, to make them be like me be like you you know and but then there's also a dichotomy here punisher's not in this episode but this is a great reflection of that conversation about this justice and murder and killing people who deserve death because of their crimes and punisher just does it and daredevil does not and here we see it we see him in action, maybe for the first time, him realizing I will not kill someone who is, you know, deserves punishment. And so this is, uh, in some ways, the, the, f- the visualization of that conversation on the rooftop. Right. Right. I think this also shows the divide. Uh, where I think if Frank Castle was in his sh- in Matt's shoes at that moment in that mansion, he would have killed him. Yeah, and so you have you have Matt confronting his his, his father's his father father's murderer, confronting his dark side. You have Karen finding out more information about Frank Castle's family and the, how they were murdered. And yeah, I mean Daredevil and Punisher are. They're the flip side of, of each other's coin. And I mean, we're here to talk about the, the love triangle right now, but right. Uh, I mean, Frank Castle, even though he's not really in this episode, he looms large in this episode. Yeah. Well, you can also see, say that it's not a love triangle, but there is a triangle between Frank, Matt and Karen. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> Well, uh, Frank or the Punisher, um, there are two sides of the coin for uh, vigilante justice uh, versus, uh, compared to Matt slash Daredevil. And, uh, you know, Matt's falling for Karen um, and Karen sees that there is something more to Frank Castle than just um, a killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got a question for you. Sure. Do you know how Electra and Matt are like me and my six-year-old son? Well, your six-year-old son is not a femme fatale. (laughs) No, 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 he's not. Um, You know, Electra is kind of like my six-year-old son and I am kind of like Matt because okay. like Electra, my six-year-old son cuts the cheese on my stomach. I'm just gonna. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. Really? 
yeah, oh yeah, we'll be watching TV. He's sitting on my stomach, and we'll cut the cheese. <laughs> so I'm just gonna get that one out there and get that one done. But I couldn't help thinking she's literally cutting the cheese on his stomach. So yeah, but while she's doing it, they have this they have this whole conversation about the future. And it's very interesting because they're talking about this real suburban future and Roscoe hangs a lampshade on it. You know, he says, you two are just kids playing house. And they are. They, they're they talking about children. Maddie Jr. is an idiot like his father. And, and then there's a little Ellie or whatever. And she's she's great like her mother. And um, it's interesting because there's no way, there is no way just by looking at them, even at that point, before the whole we're going to tie this guy up and I'm going to tell you to kill him. That is not the life that they're headed toward. <laughs> if, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, you can just see them kind of sorting through what is our future together. And yeah, it's just the relationship they have together. is just, it's, it's just so toxic. I mean, yes, the, uh, the scene, I mean, every scene you see with them together, she is insulting him. She's calling him dumb. She's, She's saying his taste in furniture and his clothes or and, and beer is bad. I mean, it's just. But she also, she's also doing the doing it in this really sexy, sultry way, which can be very confusing. And yeah. that's it's just destructive. Oh, and I just I don't like her. And I'll be honest, I preferred um, uh, Jennifer Garner. Um, I prefer Jennifer Garner's Electra to to this one. I don't mind the actress at all. I, I think she does a no. good job. I mean, she she plays the role that she's given, and she does it well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she she's is not, manipulative. I mean, it's called out. You are manipulative. You manipulate. How are you manipulating now? And then you find out she manipulated things just to get Matt there. So when the Yakuza come, she manipulated them to come as well. And then... She has his daredevil suit. Mm. Yeah. And there's going to be some fighting and kicking. And I'm wondering if she is setting this all up because, I mean, she clearly has a need for someone like Matt. Whether it's just so she can, you know, manipulate more or have power over him or because she needs someone who understands her. Um. You know, she's she, she set her she, sights on him again. And she has a need to hurt people. That too. But whatever I said, and I <laughs> believe that I remember saying what you said, I said, I, I do believe that that is true. I'll just say this. It's I'm watching through Daredevil season two again for the second time. And. I did not remember this episode and I did not remember any of the manipulation, any of the toxicity. I didn't remember any of that. And so I don't know if that's to my credit that I'm able to rewatch this daredevil season two and <laughs> rediscover things, but I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. Karen is definitely a better match than Electra for Matt, but I stand by my comment that I do not want them together. Even yeah, though, no, I... even though their date was totally dreamy, you know, and I say that not dreamy as in, you know, a sixth grade girl in the sixties talking about Sean Cassidy or whatever. I I'm saying dreamy as in it was like a dream. You know, he calls it that one perfect night. They did a great job of turning that date around from that awkward moment into that wonderful, great time at the restaurant where they're walking together and it's just dreamlike and it's magical and it made me remember some some early dates with my wife uh, before she was my wife where, you know, we would find these moments where we're going for a walk along the river. And it's just the stars align to give you a perfect, perfect night or whatever. And, you know, then that sentiment that he has, I don't want to ruin it. Uh, let's stop now while, while it's still perfect. And yeah, that's. That's great because, you know, he wants to have a good relationship and that's good. Good for him to want to have a good relationship. Just 
bad choice. Find someone else who's not your partner <laughs> at work. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my take on it. I don't know. Is there anything else uh, you want to cover here? Well, now that you mention your ex-girlfriends from college, I now understand why you don't like Karen at all. And I understand. <laughs> it's not that I don't like her. It's just, I don't think it's a good place to be. Well, we'll see how that turns out. We will. We will indeed. But for right now, they're in a good place and Ninja are about to attack. Or Yakuza, right. anyway, are about to attack. And Electra puts on her mask. Because it's fighty fighty time. And that's next episode. Yes. Oh, I did like the little detail that they had to go through the hard copies of the newspapers because all the servers were wiped out in the incident. Oh, I love that because um, I had an incident a couple years ago where I used to put all of my schedules through my cell phone. And then um, there was an update done on it and my schedule was completely wiped out and I had to work hard to put it all together. And I finally resolved to use um, an old school day planner. So now nice. I write everything in. So nice. and, and even now when I write my notes, I was write it down on notebook paper. I, I'm, I'm just old school that way. I, I prefer the physical contact of information as opposed to on a computer. Yeah. Now, I just, when she's doing that, it just made me think of the joke. And I can't remember what TV show it was on, but they're talking about, you know, how are we going to find out this information? I don't know. We could use one of those things. What are those things that you used to have, Dad? You know, it's like a website, uh, only on paper. <laughs> a newspaper? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, my. I have heard that joke somewhere. Where, where did I don't I know. That? It was on a show recently, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Oh, it wasn't Modern Family, was it? Could have been Modern Family or The Middle or one of those shows <laughs> like that. Yeah. Or The Middle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up then. And we'll uh, we'll give our final comments here, our final verdict. And uh, we'll have to figure out what we're going to give, what our, what our ratings are going to be out of five what. But we've got we've got the sounder to play. We can figure it out during the sounder, right? Right. Final verdict. Okay, so let's wrap up our conversation here. And during the during the uh, two second sounder, we decided that we are going to rate this out of how many cheese slices. So, <laughs> Samantha, how many cheese slices out of five do you give Kimbaku? Um, the last episode I talked to Stuart about, I gave it four out of five. And then looking back on it, I should have given it four and a half out of five. So just because I did that, I'm going to say this is 3.75 cheese slices. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to give it a solid four cheese slices out of five. That's four cheese slices out of five. And... I just want to make make sure everyone knows that we are actually slicing this cheese from a block of cheese. <laughs> it is not from a wheel of cheese because slicing a wheel of cheese into five wedges, they're just not going to be even. But the block of cheese, we can make it even. So, right, that's what we're doing. So, is this like cheddar, Colby know. Jack, Colby Jack, yeah, Colby Jack, Colby Jack? Okay. Yeah. Oh, because it's spicy. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Pepper Jack. I, yeah, Colby Jack, Jack is not spicy. That's why I want. No, no, no. It's it's a blend. Um, I, Pepper Jack? I like no, it. no. Not Pepper Jack. We can fight it's about spicy. cheese later. <laughs> I don't like spicy cheese. I don't like stinky cheese. I don't like spicy cheese. <laughs> I like plain, solid, mild cheese. That's okay. what I want on my crackers. That's what I want on my crackers. So... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all that said, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Samantha, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. All right. And all I have to say is that, uh, you know, as I was prepping for the post credit 
part of this episode, uh, watching that Marvel movie that I haven't seen uh, yet. I was thinking about all the awful, terrible, no good, very bad Marvel movies that I have seen. You know, these things are just burned into your mind. Fantastic Four, Man Thing, especially those those two. And, you know, it's funny because I can't remember my kids' birthdays, but violent soul-sucking events are just seared into my brain. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. So Electra was the primary focus of this episode, and it's going to continue as we are finishing this episode being the primary focus, because I am going to talk about a movie that I'd never seen before until today, and that is Electra. And I'm just going to throw that out there, but uh, I know a lot of people say it's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad movie. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's better than Daredevil. I think it's definitely better than Fantastic Four from 2015 and Man-Thing from, what, 2005. Um, That said, you know, I can see why people don't like it. I mean, there's there's clearly some issues with it, some of the fight things that that happen. One of the ways she defeats one of the bad guys is kind of dumb. But it's funny because I'm watching it and thinking this is... I have some issues with Iron Fist and this was kind of doing the things that I was missing from Iron Fist as far as some of the uh, just the stylistic fighting and, and camera work and that kind of thing. I'm not going to talk anymore about Iron Fist other than that. But yeah, uh, this Electra movie is uh, maybe maybe just goes back to how much I like like old Kung Fu movies and and that kind of thing from the 70s where you just have a. A character who is, you know, in this case, the reluctant assassin. And honestly, uh, you know, as she's going through and fighting all the different bad guys, they give her some good bad guys to fight. And yeah, I I can't say this is a terrible movie. And, you know, I've heard people say that Daredevil was uh, contaminated by the stink of this movie. And made it, which makes Daredevil look worse than it was. Um, I think this movie maybe has some of the stink of Daredevil on it, and and that's why it's not uh, as appreciated. But you know, this this is not Catwoman. You know, this is not Marvel's Catwoman. Catwoman is terrible. It is an awful, no good, very bad movie. But this is not. I actually liked Elektra in this movie, and I liked Terrence Stamp in this movie. Um, I can't believe Zod is you know, Zod is stick in this movie. Anyway, if I were to give a review of this movie and, and which I guess I am doing, so not if uh, I'd say watch it with an open mind, uh, forget Ben Affleck's Daredevil and the electric character who was in that movie, because if you like that movie, this is not related to that and you're not going to like it because you liked that movie you're gonna you need to like it on its own terms and if you don't like that movie again this is a different movie it's a different really it's almost a different character uh and so you know you'll like this try and like this movie on its own 
terms. And, and what is it? It's about an assassin who's sent to go and kill someone. And then she starts having second thoughts about who she has been sent to kill. And then she's, uh, has to fight lots of, uh, big boss battles. And, uh, you know, it's not as good as some of those old Kung Fu movies. The, the fight choreography is there and it's decent, but it's not the greatest. And there's lots of CGI, but honestly, I, I understand where people are coming from, but at the same time, I'm not one of those people. I actually kind of like this movie <laughs> and Jennifer Garner. Good job. And director of that movie. Good job. You took something that was a difficult task to take a character who died in a movie and then to give her her own movie where you can't reference the big hero from the movie that she was in um, as a standalone movie. It's pretty decent. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's great. I'm just going to say I, I liked it. I liked it. So well, I guess that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for listening. And if you uh, think I'm crazy, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Just As long as it's like that good nature kind of you're crazy and not the mean-spirited kind of you're crazy. <laughs>